Yeah, please, uh, please be seated. And thank you, Randy, so much for leading us in worship today. Joe's taking a good Sunday off and spending time up in Alabama with his family. So that's a good thing for him. So let me invite you to take out your teaching notes. We are in the fourth part of a series entitled 40 Days of Prayer. If you, this is your first week with us and you're kind of wondering where we've been, you can go to our website, cypresslakeumc.com, and go to there to worship live, and there will be archived there for you. You can go back and take a look and see where we've been. But in the first week of our time together, we examined uh, the need for three things. The first thing we said that we need to make a new commitment. We need to make a new commitment that we're going to be a people of prayer, uh, spending time in prayer so we can learn more about who God is and what God wants for us. And so we signed a commitment, and over 1,100 of you signed this commitment uh, to, to, to say you want to take the next step, another step forward in prayer. Uh, some of you have sent me emails this week, and we've placed them in here uh, for you. If you want to make that commitment, I invite you to just email us, and we'll be glad to put them in this basket here. Uh, the second thing we ask you to do is to be in uh, reading the scriptures every single day during the season of Lent, the 40 days prior to Easter. And so we just invite you to do that. Um, uh, the reading plan is on the website also, and also you can find the printed version out in the lobby at the Welcome Center. And then the third thing is that we believe that we need to learn how to memorize scripture together. Uh, typically, I've had a child lead us, but uh, this is spring break. Uh, you know what that means. Uh, children are gone. Many of them are gone, but some are here. Good to have some of the children here. But anyways, uh, so I'm going to be your teacher today. Uh, so uh, our children have been teaching us a passage uh, from John chapter 13, verse 17. And so uh, if you're new, I invite you to go ahead and look inside your program. It's right there by where the title of my message is. Uh, for all the others of you, though, I know that you have spent time memorizing this passage of Scripture, right? Right. And so I know that you won't need to look at the bulletin, right? Try it. See what, see what happens. See if I can remind you. So here's, here's how it's going to go. John 13, verse 17. Now that you know all these things, you will be blessed if you practice them. John 13, 17. So say it with me. John 13, 17. Now that you know... John 13, 17. Very well, not bad. I continue to encourage you to repeat that over and over, not just on Sundays, but throughout uh, your week. Here, let me give you a question that I want to uh, talk about with you this morning. Who are you talking to when you pray? Who do you think that you're talking to when you pray? See, so many of us, uh, we, we, we have this, uh, as I was saying a little bit last week, uh, we, we, we enter into prayer and we use all this fancy, flowery language and, 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 we, and we think uh, that God hears us. And I think God does hear us all, even though we're not being real and authentic with God. You know, I said last week that I think God must think that we're from the old English, we're from England, um, but we just aren't intimate with God. So I think the question is, who are we? Who, who do you pray to? Who is it that you, when you're, when you're praying, who, what comes into your mind when you're praying? And, and I think that we really need to come to a better understanding of that for us as we live our lives. Uh, I'm being distracted right now because a gift has just been given to me. Amen? Amen? Uh, I'm sorry you can't get a camera down here, uh, but uh, on the front row we have, he's just learning to walk. Amen? And I, I'm, I'm sorry, this is a, a great prayer, answer to prayer. 
That's all right. So now, now that I've been distracted, you've been distracted, now you can come back with me. So um, who, who do you pray to? Who, who, who is it in your mind when you pray? Here's the way I think it happens some of the time. Let me give you two examples of how I think it happens. Uh, first is uh, like when I get a phone call at the office at church or the office at home, uh, or um, I'm just picking up the phone at home, I answer the phone, hi, this is Tom Schaefer. I think that's the courteous thing to do. Uh, uh, and then uh, but what happens and what irritates the Paduki out of me, can I use that word? I can't say other words, I can say that word. But what really irritates me is when somebody just starts talking. And they just start rambling. Do you have any friends like that? And, and, and they do not identify who they are. Uh, they, they expect you to know who they are uh, just by the sound of their voice. And, and, and so uh, I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, okay, is this somebody from the church? Is this somebody from my family? Uh, uh, is this somebody in my family will also do that? And Don't, don't go there. Um, but but we, we, we go into all this, and I'm thinking, who in the heck is calling me? And so I have to be really formal at first because I do not know who it is. And then as they keep on talking, they keep on talking about the subject matter, I, can, I start to learn who they are. And I think that's the way we go with God. Sometimes we just start talking and, and just start rattling things off, and, and, then, and then we say, God, hurry up, hook in with us. We, we need you to hook in because I've only got 30 seconds to offer this prayer, and then I'm gone, and I'm going to go on to my next part of my life. You never do that, do you? So we have to slow it down, and we need to say, God, here I am, Tom. I'm in need of prayer, and I want to connect with you. You know, another way we do it, and, and I'll just make this personal, is I know how well uh, you know me when you see me off campus. Uh, I, 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 and I think we, are, we treat God like this. You know, um, when we're, for example, two weeks ago I was in Publix, and I don't do a lot of this stuff. Um, my wife is very good to me, uh, and she doesn't make me go to Publix too often because she doesn't want me to do that because I get ice cream and all the other things that I'm not supposed to get. So, um, so, but you all never do that either. So, so I'm, I'm walking in the grocery store, pushing my cart, and somebody comes up to me, and, and they say, hey, Pastor Tom, how are you? And I'm thinking, they know me. Uh, or people come up and say, hey, Tom, how you doing? You don't always have to say pastor. I know who I am. Uh, so, uh, so just say, hey, Tom. Uh, but I really know when you don't know me is when you come up and, and, and you say, hey, Reverend Schaefer, how you doing? And, and that's when I want to just lift up my ring finger and say, you can just call me Most Holy Father and kiss my ring. <laughs> and I'm thinking that would be really good. But you see, we, we do that with God. We, we just are so, we lack this intimacy with God. And, and, and what would happen if uh, when you started to pray, you just stopped in that moment and instead of just rushing through, you stopped in the moment and said, God, um, I, I want to live and dwell with you. I, I don't want to become distracted by uh, things outside of my life right now. I want to spend a moment of intimacy where you can speak your honest truth to God, where you can just say, God, here I am, warts and all. Here's my good, here's my bad. And God, I need the every hour, as the old hymn would go. So I want to talk to you today about how do we do that. 
But see, the, the, the first thing that we must understand is that we have a perception about God. And our knowledge about God or the way we think about God really does um, alter, really does form how we imagine God. Let me give you some examples of how uh, I've learned in, in counseling now for 40 years from you all and other congregations how many of us think about God. You may want to write these down. I don't have a blank there. You have to make a space. The, the, the first way I think we do it is uh, that many of us uh, look at God and we think about God as some grumpy old guy who's always angry at us. And all God wants to do is yell at us because we've done something wrong. And that's how some of us are. Some of us look at God and we think of God as a crouching tiger. You know, you remember those movies and you, and you see God the, and you see the, the tiger just creeping up on, on, on its prey and, 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 and the prey goes and, and the tiger just before that jumps up and gets it. And we think that's who God is. God just wants to come and, and just really uh, hit us hard and knock us over and gobble us up because we've been bad. I, I, I like the image of God as a cosmic cop. The God is just hiding in the corners, just waiting for us to speed, waiting for us to do something wrong, and God wants to come and slap you on the head because you've broken a rule. And that's the way many of you have thought about God. Uh, many of you uh, think about God uh, like Santa Claus, that God is going to, um, make his list and check it twice and see who's been naughty and who's been nice. Some of you uh, want to imagine God as a, a, a Play-Doh God. And you have a ball of Play-Doh in your hands and, and, and you form that God into your image of who you want God to be, not who God is. So how is God for you? Is, is God uh, uh, one of those? Is God the crouching tiger God? Is God the, uh, is God the cop who just wants to pounce on you? Who, who is God for you? Because until we really understand how we can have an intimate relationship with God and not one of these relationships with God that all God wants to do is to come down and to punish us and to come down and, and to say you're no good because that's the way many of us were raised. But what, rather, rather what God wants to do is that God wants to come and lift us up and relieve us of all of our burdens, relieve us of all of our pain, to have the sense of intimacy with God that is so real and authentic uh, that we know that we can talk to God at any time of any day. So who's your God when you pray? Who are you praying to? Because that matters. I, I, like, I like this uh, from A.W. Tozer. It, it says this, What comes to your mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you because it affects everything else in your life. I believe that. What you think about God affects everything else in your life. So let me share with you where we were last week. Last week I gave you three pillars of, of, of prayer. Uh, and, and I said, God loves us because God wants to talk to us, and we want to talk to God. It's that entire issue of uh, God loves to talk to us. Uh, God listens to the prayers. The second pillar is God listens to the prayers that are sincere, that are authentic. 
that you're not trying to blow some smoke at God, but you're real. And the third part is, is that God longs to be close to you. God longs to have all the barriers broken down. God longs to have this intimacy with you uh, that, uh, that, like, if I'm standing here, Joe, if you'll come up here, and, and you're standing here, and that there's a sense of intimacy that I, I'm not, that God is not up there talking, but God is right here, and God is able to minister to you and care for you and love you and speak to you because God knows you, and you know what? God knows you know God as well. But so often we have this separation. Thank you. We have this separation, and, and God is tired of that separation. God is absolutely tired of you over here and God over there, and God is saying, can you just sit with me? Can you just come and be present with me? And so I, I just want to press on that a little bit with you today because I think that as we do this, God is going to be speaking some tremendous truth. So I'm going to give you pillars number four and five. I'm not going to give you pillar number six. But if you need that word because you are, have some of those initials after you, you know, that you, you have to have that word, uh, the word is God. Okay? God's. So here's, here's number four. Pillar, pillar number four says, God's plan for my life will always be good. God's plan for your life will never be bad, my friends. God's plan for your life will always be good. One of my favorite texts is this text, Jeremiah 29, verses 11 and 12. I know what I'm planning for you, says the Lord. I have good plans for you, not plans to hurt you. I will give you hope and a good future. Then you will call my name. You will come to me and pray to me, and I will listen to you. God says, I have plans for you. Do you know what your plan is for your life? Do you know what your purpose is for your life? Many of you are here today, and, and, and you don't have a clue of what your plan and purpose is in life. But, but hear me. Hear me. Are you listening? Uh, that's what I was afraid of. Are you listening? Okay. God has a plan and a purpose for your life uh, that is beyond what your current understanding is. Many of you have, uh, let me, can I pick on someone just here today? I'll pick on a subset of people that are part of the Fort Myers community, and that's retirees. Really tough one here. And I won't let other people off the hook. But here's reality. Here's what I hear when people come to this church and they say that they want to begin to know more about who we are. And I simply ask them this one question. What is God's plan and purpose for your life? And here's what they say. I knew more clearly my plan and my purpose for my life when I was back home. But I do not know God's plan and my purpose now that I'm retired. I think it changes some. I think what God has done, God has created you in his image. God has created you uh, to, be, to have these wonderful spiritual gifts uh, that when you became a follower of Christ that God gave to you, God gave you natural abilities. And many of you, when you move down here, what you're doing is that you're putting them on the shelf and you think, you know what, now I get to play tennis three times a week. Now I get to play golf three times a week or four or five. Now I, now I get to go to the beach 
And, 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 and I'm hearing you say this over and over and over again, and I'm thinking, what's your plan for your life? What is God's plan? What is God's purpose for your plan? It ain't to play golf. Only. I shot a 38 in the front nine the other day. <laughs> then I messed it up with a 42. But, but, but that, that, ain't, that, that ain't, that isn't God's plan and God's purpose for your life. God's plan and purpose is to take who you are, how God created you, how God crafted you, how God uh, made you in God's image, and for you to live that out, whether you be retired or whether you be 12 years of age or whether you be 14 or whether you be three or one. Don't get retired. There is no such word in the Bible. God is saying, I want you to do something so magnificent uh, that you will help transform the world. How about that? I want you to hear that again. Can I, you all didn't hear that. I want you to know that you all, when you claim who you are, when you, God gives, when, you, when you claim that God has gifted you with a certain set of gifts and skills and abilities, God says, I want to use you for the transformation of the world. I'm not seeing anything. I'm not, do you all believe that? Do you? I, I'm not sure you do. Because what God wants for you to do more than anything else is to partner with the people that you do not know who are sitting in the same row with you and for you to do something that is so far beyond what you can do by yourself so that you can bring glory to God, not to you, but that you can help transform the world for good so that we will no longer have the stupid idiots who are killing people who's always been a part of our history of humanity. God has a plan for you. I, 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 let me give you the TLS version of this. The TLS is the Tom, Thomas Lee Schaefer translation. I, 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 I just make things up like this. It's scriptural. It's basically scripture. But this is the way I remember it. Jeremiah 29.11 says, I have plans for you. Plans to bring you prosperity, not financial prosperity, but personal prosperity. Plans to bring you prosperity and not disaster. Plans to bring about a future that you dare to hope and pray for. That's what God wants. God has a plan. God has a purpose. Will you claim it? God wants you to live it out. Here's, here's number five. God always gives me of what I deserve and not what I need. Yeah, some of you are not listening. I said, God always gives me what I deserve, not what I need. Oh, I made a mistake. So here's reality, folks. We're all screw-ups. Thank you. We are all sinners. We all fall short of the glory of God. And if we lived our lives thinking that we're going to get what we deserve, I would not be doing this. The God that I worship and the God that you worship is the God of grace, mercy, forgiveness. 
Think about your sin. Some of you have these big sins that you're going through right now. Some of you are really being challenged with your life right this very moment. Think about it. Do you want what, is, what you deserve for that? No. God wants to give you grace, peace, love. God wants to forgive you. I love this text from uh, Psalm 103, verse 10. Two translations here. God has not treated us as we deserve. Another translation says, God has not treated us as we deserve for our sins or paid us back for our wrongs. God hasn't. God never will. Let me give you a couple of Bible examples. In the Old Testament, we, we hear about this guy by the name of King. He's King David. David, when he was a boy, was able to conquer Goliath. He became king. While he was king, he had an affair. Met this woman. Had, was adultery. Then... He didn't like the guy's, this woman's husband had him killed. Let me ask you, did he deserve forgiveness? No. Did he deserve God's mercy? No. Did God give him mercy? Did God use him? Absolutely. Think about this character by the name of Saul in the New Testament, the greatest persecutor of the Christian church literally had hundreds of Christians killed. One day he had a moment, an experience with, with the presence of God in the form of Jesus Christ, the, the, the Messiah. And this moment, a crystal clear uh, thought came to him that he was in the wrong. He went from being Saul to Paul. Half of the New Testament is attributed to him. The greatest missionary the church has ever known. Did he deserve forgiveness? Did he deserve mercy? No. But did God give him what he did not deserve? God gave him the gift of love and of hope and of peace. Some of you are walking around with some really big sin going on in your life right now. The truth is that you're really broken. And you've put on this facade. You're looking good but you're torn up inside. And God is simply saying, I want something new for you. I want something fresh for you. You no longer have to carry your pain. You no longer have to feel separated from uh, loved ones or friends. God is saying, you are my child. You are my chosen you are my beloved. You are my child. You are my son, my daughter. I love you. Grace be with you. Forgiveness is possible. All you need to do is claim it. But it happens when we have an intimate relationship with God. So who do you talk to when you're praying? Is it the God that can transform you? Or just this guy we've been talking about 
who has no power. The God that I worship has abundant power. I want you to take out your programs and look at the front cover. I want to give you a prayer that I want to challenge you to read every day of this week. It comes from Psalm 119, verses 37 through 40. It's going to be on the screen, or I really encourage you to read it from your bulletin. And I want you to pray this prayer with me now. Let's pray together. God, teach me lessons for living so I can stay the course. Give me insights so I can do what you tell me. Make my whole life one long, obedient response. Guide me down the road of your commandments. I love traveling this freeway. Give me a bent for your word of wisdom and not for piling up loot. Divert my eyes from toys and trinkets. Invigorate me on the pilgrim way. Affirm your promises to me, promises made to all who fear you. Deflect the harsh words of my critics, but what you say is always so good. See how hungry I am for your counsel. Preserve my life through your righteous ways. Amen. God has good plans for you. And God wants you to live out God's plan and God's purpose for your life. It can start today. Let us pray. Come, God, come and speak into us. Allow us in this moment to feel your fresh air blowing over us. Allow your presence to speak a word of truth into our lives that will remove our sin and give us a future. That, you, that we dare to hope and pray for. And so we ask this in your name. Amen.